0: All right, well, welcome to the Apologetics.com radio show. I'm Harry Edwards, your host for the evening, and this is a show where we like to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. And with me tonight are my two best friends in ministry, oh, uh, Jason oh. and John. My heart is <laughs> warm. Yeah, Jason, how you doing? I'm good, Harry. All right. Glad to be here. And John just literally showed up. Sixty seconds before I started uh, talking here. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> welcome. No, no, five I have, minutes. I have no the, good excuse. <laughs> I wish I did, John. I know you're you're a pastor, so you're busy all the time. It's like mm. a twenty four seven type of job. So, it feels like it. So, anyways, uh, every time that there is a fifth Saturday of the month, we come together as hosts to talk about uh, almost anything we want to talk about, really. Ba- basically, it's a, a recap of uh, the shows that we've done in in the month. So um, let, let, we'll do that. And then tonight we're also going to be taking calls. How about that? I know yeah, when yeah, I've been hosting. On. Yeah, when I've been hosting uh, for the last uh, couple months, we've not taken any calls because, you know, it was a heavy... Subject and lots of content. What? Yeah, I know. You're it- it's ignoring weird. our listeners. I know. I feel bad. I feel bad. So I got to put out the number, which I, I think I've tonight, f- forgotten. Uh, but anyways, if you want to join our discussion, if you have any kind of apologetics or th- theology or philosophy related questions, uh, give us a call. It's triple eight nine nine five fifty five fifty two. That's eight 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 nine nine five. 5552. <clears throat> All right, why don't we start with uh y- what you were uh what your show was about uh Jason. You you guys were talking about po- the, the most powerful apologetics and and in in, in, yeah. in what you can imagine is the most powerful apologetics. Let's start with that. Right, right. right. Okay.
1: So yeah, so this this past um <clears throat> month we did a show my friend Tony and I. Tony's like a Prolific evangelist loves to just share the gospel with uh, you know anyone who has a pulse really, and so we decided to do a show on a bit about evangelism, kind of just encouraging people to get out there and share the gospel. I think that's that's one of the best ways you're going to grow in your ability to do apologetics and your ability to answer questions uh, to grapple with you know, real questions that people have today. Um, and as part of that, we decided to kind of frame it around what what is, uh, in our estimation, what we think is, you know, biblical, the very most powerful apologetic we have. And it's not presuppositional apologetics. It's not evidential apologetics. What? It's really? It's not <laughs> classical <laughs> apologetics. It's not... It's not an argument, it's not the moral argument, it's not the cosmological argument. You know, it's none of those, right? Those are all great, you know, those are all wonderful. But it what the greatest apologetic that we have, that God-given apologetic um to reach people um for for Christ is the law, God's law, um in in particular the 10 commandments, right? And bringing those to bear in uh, conversation with people is going to be the most powerful way to reach someone for Christ, um, to to kind of bypass all of the um, intellectual objections and places of argumentation and just speak to their conscience. Okay. So that's in a nutshell kind of – and we can unpack that a little bit if you guys, if sure. you guys want and, to. Sure, and we will. And believe it or not,
0: we have, th- I mean, three people already uh, calling us. Yeah. <laughs> That's see? crazy. All right. Uh, <laughs> Let's do this. Uh, I know Richard is on hold. So, Richard, if you're listening, uh, I hope you have a good question for us, and I, I'm sure it's going to be a good question um, so we can just have a conversation around your question, Richard. But uh, hang, hang on there because now I want to – Talk to John here. John, uh, in your show at the first of the month, what did you guys talk about? You guys talked about Bible translations, right? Yeah, we did. Okay. It was amazing. <laughs> sure it was. Yeah. It, it, I'm sure that's – wait, is that on our site right now? It may not be because you owe me a title and description. I think,
2: I think my my guests probably sent you a title uh, and okay. description. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, it, it will be on
0: the site. By the way, I need to mention this right now to all of our listeners and supporters – Our website is currently – well, it is – oh, it is up. There you go. Perfect. So uh, your show is up. If anyone's interested, uh, they can go to apologetics.com and and listen to your show. Now, I know your show, uh, Jason, is not up yet because you guys just did that a couple weeks ago. ago, And and this is related to why it's not up. Our site is currently going through some major renovations. So uh, please be patient. And it's going to be amazing once it's all done. When it's going to be, it's going to add uh, a lot more functionality, uh, better user experience. Obviously, you know, uh, you can search it faster, quicker, more efficiently, uh, and it'll look beautiful. That's that's key. So aesthetics mm-hmm. is a big thing. It's going to look nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about Bible
2: translations? John? Well, we discussed. Uh, a couple different issues, you know the 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 number the number of translations that are out there can be kind of confusing. So that kind of be the problem. One of the questions that people have is why there's so many Bible translations, but also stemming from that, what's the best Bible translation to be reading? You know, what should we read? So we discussed how how Bible how the Bibles are translated, and then what the. Categories of Bible translation was or is, you know, dynamic equivalence. You know, word for word, or you know, uh, free flow. F- yeah, idea yeah. for idea. Yeah, um, paraphrase. Paraphrase. Which is your favorite? <laughs> Which
1: is my favorite? That's all you use. Oh, the paraphrase. The paraphrase. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's not even the Bible. The
1: Message Bible. Yeah. The Message. Yeah. The Message but translation. Would
0: you say that that's useful though? Oh yeah. Yeah,
2: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually interesting. I've I've I mean this is not what we talked about on the show, but I've uh so Eugene Peterson is the uh translator of the Message Bible and I've just come to really appreciate him. And he's now I think I think he's dead now. Hmm. Um but he, I came like recently yeah. I think he died, I think but so. it's I've read a couple of his books in the context of commentaries and preparations for sermons or uh t- talks I've done at STR. And uh, he has some really great insights. You know, he's like very similar to N.T. Wright, where a lot of what he says is just f- phenomenal. But then every once in a while you read something, you're just like, eh, what? <laughs> Wait a second, what did you just right. say? OK, but um, but anyways. Yeah. So we, we dug into that and and uh, Presbyterian. I had a Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: Good. Good. All and, right. Yeah.
2: I had a great I had a great time with my buddy, um, Steve Vanculen. Yeah. It was back. It's awesome.
0: All right, well, in, in a nutshell, all right, you you mentioned... Um,
2: Harry, what did you talk oh, about? Oh,
0: what did I talk about? Oh, my
2: goodness. All right, for our uh, show... Wait, what? wait, wait. Everybody needs to know that you're a doctor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did finish that
2: doctorate.
1: Uh, a you're couple a weeks doctor. Yeah, that's insane. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's
2: unbelievable. Praise right. God for
1: that. Yeah. Well, congratulations, And Introduce you as Doctor Edwards from now on, Doctor. Thank
0: Harry you, Doctor yeah. Harry.
2: I know. Edwards.
0: Hopefully, that helps our, our ministry in some ways, right? I'm but. sure it will. <laughs> I mean,
2: now you're like super smart. <laughs> yeah. What's it like being the smartest guy in the room? Oh my goodness. No. The only. I'm doctor. just Harry.
0: I'm just Harry for you guys. All right. Well, you went. Did you
2: go to grad school? for engineering I did okay so Jason's really smart too he's smart too <laughs> yeah.
0: at Stanford by the way that's so. right
2: yeah Stanford, Stanford. Makes, yeah Stanford you're a Stanford grad and you're still a Christian
1: that's right <laughs> I took my my only Bible class I've ever taken in college was at Stanford <laughs> okay <laughs> interesting really? yeah and, and that qualifies you to be part of the team. Man. Exactly, yeah, I man. love it. I love it. <laughs> it was it was called reading the Bible today. Yeah. Oh yeah, and today should have been in quotes. <laughs> I think that's amazing. That is amazing. That yeah. sounds
2: incredible. Yeah, I love it. I want to hear all about. Yeah, that. how did you yeah. pass that
1: class? <laughs> yeah. I refuted all their arguments. That's right. Yeah,
2: like, I imagine you liked me. Well, nobody said he passed either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I failed plenty of classes yeah. and still graduated.
0: All right. Hey, let's go back to the law. So unpack that for us. Yeah, Uh, let's have this unpacked,
2: Mr. Lawman.
3: Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Pull out your outline from that show. Yeah,
0: And and, uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate, as you know. I'm going to push back on that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it starts off – I just start with Romans 3, right? Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in His sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin right that 's like step one right right if you through the law comes knowledge of sin, and if you don't have knowledge of sin right you 'll never know that you need to repent, mm. right, and unless you repent, you will perish right without repentance, no one will ever enter the kingdom of heaven right so um, the knowledge of sin is fundamental to to lead someone to Christ and the law the Bible says is um, you know the tool that God has given us to do that so
0: here's just I'm curious about this how would you say uh, does uh, our sin nature precede any knowledge of the law meaning yeah, uh, absolutely yeah okay so, how is the law? How does the law apply then in, 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 in knowing that we are sinful if we are already born sinful, as right, the Scripture right, right. says too? Right. So I think
1: yeah, that's that's a key point. You know, um, Romans two, Paul talks about for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Right. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts Mm. while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So the point is that God has given us all a conscience, right? With conscience means with knowledge, right? Conscience and... um, whether you've ever heard of the 10 commandments or not you know it's wrong to lie because you hate when people lie to you right you know it's wrong to steal because if someone grabbed your wallet out of your pocket you know you know that's wrong right if someone punched you you would know that's wrong right you intuitively know especially when these things are committed against you personally you know that they're wrong right yeah. and so that's something that's written on all our hearts and so that that conscience is who you're trying to connect with when you're <clears throat> when you're bringing someone through this when you're trying to um use the law to bring the knowledge of sin and it's powerful when you make that connection with their own conscience inside of their own heart because at that point it doesn't matter if if they were an evolutionist it doesn't matter if they were you know an atheist it doesn't matter if they you know, worshipped the Dalai Lama, whatever. It's like you you connect with that conscience <clears> in their heart and they understand that they've sinned against God. Yeah. You're you're on a different playing field there. Now you're like, okay, you know you're guilty um, and that God is going to require justice. Like he is going to condemn all who have sinned against him. And um, at that point, people are usually um in in my experience you know i've shared the gospel with tens thousands of people on you know the streets of la and uh when they come to the knowledge of sin and they understand that if they died god would you know justly send them to hell for their for their sins um, and their conscience is pricked Mm -hmm. um you say does that concern you and 99% Ninety nine percent of people will say, "Yeah, that yeah. concerns me." Yeah. yeah, and then it's, "Do you know what God did?" So we wouldn't have to go to hell. And people are like, "What did He do?" Yeah. yeah. And at that point, it's like, "This is the best part ever" because you get to share with them the good news of the gospel, yeah. and
0: so you're, you're laying down the foundation just, for the boss. The gospel, yeah, yeah, that's great. It's
1: amazing. You know, in five minutes, literally, I'll I'll go from people. Proclaiming they're they're good people going to heaven because they've done this or that. Five minutes later, after going through the law, they're like, "Yeah, I'd be headed for hell, and I would deserve that because mm. of my sins. Wow! And yeah. I want to know what God did so that I don't have to go through that. And it's just you don't need you don't need that. Reminds me any of power, a, any major arguments yeah. or you know, yeah, reminds whatever. me of just, a Ray Comfort's approach sometimes when absolutely right, right, but it's, you know. but it's but it's. It's biblical. That's yes. why it's effective. Yes. It's not Ray Comfort's approach. It's, you know, you see it all throughout the scriptures. You see Paul doing it. You see Jesus yeah. doing it. You see Nathan the prophet doing it. You see just, you see it everywhere. Yeah. All right. So,
0: so uh, hang on to that <coughs> um, that foundation that you've set for us, uh, Jason. Uh, let's go to our caller, actually. I'm curious to know what Jason might want to ask us. So... I mean, I'm sorry, Richard. Richard, you're on the air. Um, do you have a question or comment for us?
3: Yes. Yeah. I'm a born-again Christian, and I want to start a YouTube channel, and I want to use it, you know, let let's see it's a channel about making a widget, and I want to use it for God's purposes, you know, to expand his kingdom. And I guess in the description I would mention I'm a born-again Christian. But beyond that, how much Jesus should I inject in the videos before it would have the opposite effect, you know, turning people off? Like, could I overdo it with this Jesus comments and, and all that? If you guys have a video, how how much would you do uh, in your videos?
2: Hmm. Yeah, I, I'd. Uh... Hey, Richard, so thanks kind of thanks for you calling. Off,
3: saying, uh, at the end of each video, Jesus loves you guys. But I'm wondering, you know, after each and every video, would that, you know, get people angry and actually turn people off from what I'm trying to accomplish?
2: Yeah, sure. I think it's I think it's a good question, Richard. I um I would say, generally speaking, not necessarily about Jesus. You can't give people enough Jesus. But when I'm trying to produce content and put it out there for general consumption is I try to change the language around and get rid of all the Bible speak stuff, you know, um, just trying to change my words around and, and make it sound fresh, you know, so instead of Jesus Christ, I'll say, you know, the man from Nazareth, you know, you get people to think uh, a little bit more and it just sounds, re- it's just a little bit more refreshing. So um, one, one of the suggestions I'd make for you is write out what you're going to be saying on the videos, uh, you know, script it. And then practice it. And uh, even sometimes what I'll do is I'll record myself and then I'll listen back to it. And then uh, when you're listening to it, you can go, oh, you know what? That sounded really preachy. Or I mean, I don't know what the feel is for your uh, for your YouTube channel. If it's going to be apologetics or, or something like that, you want to make sure you kind of stay in that genre and the feel of what that's going to be. So you're hitting your, your target audience would be people like, well, us who'd want to listen to apologetic stuff. If it's more preachy like uh, – you know, more theological or something like that, or pastoral, it's going to take on a different flavor. You're maybe going to use a lot more imperatives and stuff like that as opposed to just straight, maybe arguments and stuff. So uh, that's just what, that's my advice for you, Richard. I wouldn't give, worry about giving them too much Jesus though because so, so as far as I can tell, we, 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 we uh, lack in Jesus. We can always use more of him.
3: Even if the content is, is not about, not about uh, religion, but about, let's say, gardening, uh, and so, you oh. non Christian going to there, would, would you still say the same?
2: Again? Yeah, I just, um, no, I'd say something different, actually. I just, I just don't force it. You know, okay. uh, oftentimes, like, Christians, I feel like sometimes we sound weird because we force it. You know, we use, um, we use terms as an atheist, as a former atheist, like, sometimes Christians would say stuff and I had no idea what they were saying. You know, um, uh i 'm trying to think of an example off the top of my mind, but you know be blessed yeah. and i 'm like i don't, i don't really okay, cool, or sanctification you yeah know, all, all or, or big terms yeah
0: theolo- theological terms, yeah yeah,
2: I mean, but you can definitely and I would highly recommend your Christian worldview should definitely shine through um in your uh, right there's no there, there, nothing you do is is uh apart from your christian worldview you can 't take that hat off, so to speak you know there's there 's no such thing as secular and sacred so even if you're making a YouTube channel it's uh it it it, you, it should be unto the glory of God and uh you can definitely you know have that feel but it just doesn't need to be uh you know every every 4 seconds is do you know who Jesus is? Do you know who Jesus is? unless that's the the uh the purpose of your channel. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, Richard yeah. Uh, my my headphones are not the best but uh maybe I didn't maybe you mentioned it already but what is your YouTube channel all about? Who who is your main audience?
3: It's uh, you know the van life movement, people living in vans.
0: Okay. Hmm.
3: Well, I do van building and so I mean the, there's a big chunk of people that are hungry for that information and God has blessed me with that, with that, and I could touch a lot of people. But but like I said, I don't. I, I'd hate to turn people off. Sure. And, uh, overdoing it, but yeah, that's good advice you guys gave me. Thank you.
0: Yeah. No, John, thanks for that. That's great. I know my only uh, thing I want to insert there is sometimes if you mention Jesus, I would say the historical Jesus. Just put historical before Jesus, and then at least it uh, it might pique people's interest. You know, like what are you talking about? Uh, you, you're saying he's, you know, this Jesus is historical. You know, like Weird. there's objective things to know about Jesus. You know, so th- that's what I would say. Um, Do you have anything, Jason, to add to that?
1: Um, Yeah, not really. I think John and Harry pretty much nailed it. Um, Thank you, guys. Yeah, Richard, thanks
0: for your call. Appreciate it, and thanks for listening. Appreciate it. God bless. Okay, bye-bye. That was good. All right. Thanks, Richard. All right, so... um, the, we we talked about this at the you know a restaurant a while ago um Jason about mm. h- how I like that approach because i I consider that like a common ground approach meaning it's something that you don't need to persuade people with uh, everyone has a conscience yep. and they they know what it is and there's something awry that you know they can't really put their finger on somehow but they know it's not right something is just they might not have the words for it, but um, we might just say, "Hey, it's your conscience." You know, I have one. You have one. Everyone has one. So uh, I call that common
2: ground apologetics.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I, I think it's important yeah. <clears throat> to point out, though, that I think the law is a power. It's a tutor, right? The law it's a is, a, is a tutor. Absolutely. it's a teacher. It, it tells us. It, that we need Christ. Yeah. yeah and yeah, that's, yeah. I think what you mean by the most powerful apologetic. Yeah. Yep. And I agree with that, but I think it's important that you never just let it rest on the law, you know, cause yes. that's an, and, or we, I, I, or we lean into the law too much and become legalists. Oh yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> you know, whenever we start talking about the law, certain scriptures pop to my mind. Right. So, uh, John says for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so the law had its, purpose but if we never if you never get to the gospel of christ it can it can hurt you yeah you know like severely you know i i think of the psalmist right so the, in psalm 130 it says if you if you lord should mark iniquities oh lord who could stand but there's forgiveness with you that you may be feared and that's exactly what you're talking about this is a biblical approach uh, mm-hmm. you, you see it even here um where the psalmist is in in essence doing that you know lord god if if you would if you would mark iniquities Oh, who could stand?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: None of us could stand. That's what he's saying. Is, yeah, is, right. is, if, if you're going to mark every single transgression, every single sin in our life, no one can stand before you, but, and that's where the, the you know, I love the buts of God, <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but, you know, yeah. but there is forgiveness from you. And I think, you know, yeah. our sins are are, uh, are far as far as east is from the west, mm-hmm. from us. And I think it's yeah, important yeah, yeah. that you get there that, you know that that when Absolutely. when that the law is a powerful thing because it calls you to reckon mm-hmm. with a holy and a just God, but God isn't just holy uh, and just ju- just. He's also forgiving and kind and loving and compassionate and patient, long suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just it, it, yeah. it's it, and yeah. and for me, for my theological journey, the long the the more I've pressed into the law, into understanding understanding Romans one really. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more appreciation and, and the more in love I've become with God. And then the more I, you know, press into anthropology, right, our, our current state, um, the state of man, and understand our fallenness and brokenness and the lengths yeah. through which God has gone. Yeah in order to right. to redeem us is unbelievable. And, it's and, so cool.
0: Yeah, I, no, I love it. And uh, that's a good approach, and it reminds all of us who are into evangelism and apologetics, before we give the good news, we have to remind this generation that there is bad news. It puts it in context. It yeah. puts there, it in there's context. There
2: is no good news without the bad news. That's right, that's right.
0: <laughs> and we start with the good news right away, and, and our listeners are thinking, D- did I just win a million dollars? Is that is that the good news, or are you paying my mortgage? You know, I mean... What's
1: what in the world is the good news? It's better than that. That's right. So but they don't know the bad news. That's right. the thing. And you know, the whole idea of legalism or this idea of um you know, thinking that you could live a good enough life to to somehow merit God's favor, when you when you use the law lawfully, right, like Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount when you realize that uh, it's not just a, like adultery isn't just cheating on a spouse. If you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. And if, if you unpack the law properly, it shows people that no matter how hard they try, they could never keep the law. They can never live up to the standard of the holiness of God's law. And from that point forward, The whole idea of legalism is completely obliterated because the law has been shown to be so unattainable Mm -hmm. that a person, rather than trying to keep the law, they will just say, I need Jesus. You know what I mean? Woe is me. Like, thanks be to God for his, you know, amazing grace. And so... Which makes legalists and people
0: who are you know into legalism even more ridiculous because you know what percentage of the law are you saying that you're following that makes you a legalist yeah. yeah it makes it them their position even more ridiculous
2: yeah and well that i mean legalism in general is just exhausting i mean so the reason why i bring this up is because in the context of what i do you know traveling around speaking i've been speaking a lot on suicide and which is like a, a, a surprise topic to me. It's not something I set out
1: sure, you just to fell speak into it. it
2: just kind of fell in my lap. But uh, the the main ob- objection I get, the main thing that people push back at me on is uh, that we're saved by grace. And they have an issue uh, with legalism. They uh, uh, Every time I speak on this, whatever town I'm in, wherever I am, I have people, a group of people who will come up to me after and say, but... But you can't go to heaven if you die by suicide because you haven't repented of that sin. Mm. And our, I think it's important to understand that our salvation isn't dependent on our repenting of every single sin, right? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. so, so a repentance is a gift that's given to us uh, upon regeneration. Yeah. It's a gift. We get to repent. Um, anyways, we can talk about this yeah. after the break. Well, the, the music on. is on. So, Cut me uh, off. Yeah, I know. So, Thanks, buddy.
0: Uh, that means that we're <laughs> going to come up with on a station break. And so you've been listening to apologetics.com radio, where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. Uh, we'll catch you on the other side of this break.
2: The mission of apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the Internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated and it's very simple to participate. Just go to Apologetics.com and click Donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to Apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California 90732. Thank you for supporting Apologetics.com.
1: Let me give you a simple tip today. We cannot be right with God until we are right with others. Hello, I'm Chuck Swindoll. If you are resentful of the way someone has treated you, if you're holding it against that person, hoping for the time you can retaliate, you need to ask God to free you from that bondage. The secret, plain and simple,
3: forgiveness. Claim God's power to forgive through Jesus Christ. Begin here. Ask His forgiveness for cultivating that deep root of bitterness
1: within your own heart, and then count on Him to do that. Letting go of that bitterness and watching the rest of your relationships open up, including your relationship with God, one of the greatest joys in life. Pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll. Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. This is John MacArthur. Join me today for Portraits of Grace. When Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd and I know my own and my own know me, he was stating a truth that has been especially dear to me since the early days of my theological education. I may never fully comprehend the depth of what it means to belong to Christ, but I will forever
3: glory in it. Peter said, you're a people for God's own possession, which means God bought us with a price. Christians are uniquely God's because He paid the price to redeem us from the bondage of sin and death. Thus we are
1: His. And since we are His eternally, we must live accordingly and rejoice in such a glorious privilege. This is John MacArthur encouraging you to live as Portraits of Grace. All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show.
0: Well, welcome back to the uh, second half hour of the Apologetics.com radio show. I am Harry Edwards, your host for this evening. And uh, again, this is the fifth Saturday, so we've been uh, recapping the shows from uh, Jason and John. And so Jason has been dealing with uh, the law as uh, the most powerful apologetic. So that's that's great. That's what we've been talking about. And then... uh, John, I know you've been doing a Bible translation, so maybe let's say, or may, maybe we should finish something that uh, Jason had mentioned uh, about the law. So I, I like how you guys are saying th- the law is a tutor, and we got to remember that it is a tutor. It's not the end of our faith here because it points us ultimately to Christ, our Savior, the need for a Savior. Uh, and so we ha- can't forget that. Um, and again, a, a, a super focus on the law might make us legalists. So we don't want that either. That would be bad. And the law doesn't save us. Yeah, the law does not save us.
1: All right. Yeah. That's, that's important. It doesn't help us. It just leaves us helpless. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't justify us. It uh, leaves us guilty before the yeah. the judgment seat of a holy God. <laughs> So that's a, a good leading
0: uh, foundation where uh, in your experience, when you lead people to Christ or tell them about the good news, you're saying that in your experience virtually everybody would ask and, and admit that they have failed some somehow yeah. and, and they go, all right, I, I need something, right?
1: So often. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. The power of God's law literally. Uh, I'll just share one, one example of a, a lady I spoke to one time. Um, I came up to her, just asked her, you know, if she died, would she go to heaven? And she said, oh, yeah, 100%. And I'm like, okay, you know, why do you think that? Why do you believe that? And she pointed to uh, a younger man who was an adult right next to her who clearly had, you know, some sort of Down syndrome or something like that. And she said, oh, because because of him. You know, I've taken care of him my whole life. And, um, I thought that was just one of the saddest things I've ever heard as if, you know, this, this burden was so bad that that was why she's going to go to heaven. And, um, and I asked that young man the same question and he, he's like, you know, I'm not a good person. Like he knew like that he wasn't. And so anyways, I talked to her and I literally walked her through the law in about two and a half minutes, you know, took her through some of the commandments, talked about, you know, lying, stealing, you know, taking God's name in vain, looking with lust is adultery. Uh, You know, she admitted to doing all those things. And we talked through some of the scriptures, which basically say that, you know, all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. No thief will inherit God's kingdom. So, you know, if you died, where would you be headed? And, Literally two and a half minutes later, she said, "Well, she said I'd be I'd be headed for hell." Mm-hmm. So she went from proclaiming her goodness to understanding her her condemnation, you know, before a holy God. And at that point, I was able to share with her the good news of the gospel, right? And it made sense—like she was guilty. Christ came, died, so that we could be forgiven right he he took the punishment for our sins um so that through faith in him we can be we can be reconciled to god, and that's the power yeah, of, yeah that's the apologetic power of it, like she didn't need arguments for God's existence, she didn't need you know presuppositional apologetics, and she just needed God's law doing its work yeah. on her conscience and you know coming to that realization so love it and that's happened countless times you just see you you can see it in people's faces you could hear it in their voices and um you know yeah it's the way jesus did it man law to the proud grace to the humble
0: i love it all right he never
1: he never gave the gospel to a, a self-righteous proud person he always gave them you know the law on some in some manner yeah
0: all right well that show in its entirety will be on our site at some point again yeah. um to all of our listeners our site right now is currently being worked on. I mean, it's up, but it's uh, in 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 uh, not in its final state right now. And when it is up and running, which I predict maybe might happen in the next few weeks, its glorified state. Is there, you <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's not
1: in its glorified state yet. Sites can be in its <laughs> glorified it's waiting state. Waiting to get its
2: touch.
0: <laughs> I love it, guys. That's funny, dude. By the way, if you would like to join our conversation this evening. Uh, if you have a apologetics question, uh theology or philosophy question, please give us a call, 888-995-5552. That's 888-995-KKLA. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, so let's segue to, John, um, your topic of Bible translations. I know it's an important one because I, I talk to a lot of uh, churchgoers and it's if if you've not been to seminary a bible translation is a big thing for them you know they they feel like all right what which is the true bible you know is it king james own in fact there there's a, a large population of christians right that believe king james uh, version is the real you know bible as if god handed it KJV to uh, Moses or something, and hmm. here we have it. Right? That'd be incredible. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> did, uh, Moses, I thought he did. Did Moses <laughs> oh, speak yeah. English? <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that. Oh, maybe, um, yeah. And um, but there are a lot of translations. Uh, English translations, right? English I mean, translations. Yeah. Is what there are we're many. About, yeah. h- how many would you say, given a, a rough estimate? Oh, hun-
2: uh, hundreds. I mean... <laughs> really easily, hundreds. Easily, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, we go to if you go to like uh, BibleGateway.com or whatever, or mm. your app, uh, what's the most popular app? I don't use one, but the app is like uh, Open Bible. Bi- open Bible. Open Bible. Okay. If you click on the translation part, you can open up, I mean, how many different translations yeah. you have to choose from. And so it's... I think as as Christians, it's not only important to find a translation that you that you like. And this is actually where we landed. I'll get to it in a minute. But what's the right translation in quotes, the yep. right translation. But it's also, I think, important to understand how translations happen, you know, because just because sometimes people say, well, there's so many different translations. How can you possibly like, know that what we have is actually the, the word of God? But the number of translations doesn't actually uh, d- deter from the accuracy of what we think the originals said, the historicity of the of the New Testament, certainly. Um, because of, uh, most translations come from the same foundational documents, and it's important to understand that. That is the most important thing. You oh, know, So, to so, to so when we talk that, about okay. translations, these translators are using the same documents, and then they might be translating it for different purposes, mm-hmm. you know, like a Eugene Peterson or Patterson – Patterson, Peterson. Peterson. Yeah. He he uh, he translated the Message Bible with a specific purpose. He wasn't trying. It wasn't trying to be an academic pursuit. He's trying to put it into language that he thinks is understandable and approachable for uh, lay laypeople. Um, whereas, if you read, uh, okay, uh, King James version, right? The King James version is written a certain way um, during a certain time uh in a certain vernacular you know but it's still you based on and if you look in the, based on the same documents if you look at the in the front of your bibles uh every decent bible that's worth it's that's worth its money is going to have a preference, a preface mm-hmm. and it's going to explain where the uh what the foundational documents were the format um where it's getting its old testament text where it's getting the new testament text and just it, it's important for us to be reading these things most people I think just skip it over um And, you know, for for example, you know, the New King James is is the one that I have in my hand right now just because it's actually the reason why is because it's the thinnest thin line I could find (laughs) at the time. And now I just really like it. You know, I enjoy reading this and this thing, I can fold this and fit in my back pocket and, you know, and it's what I bring when I speak with me and it's got all my notes in it. But it it, it lists, you know, the, the two foundational texts that it translates from, you know. Um, and it's it's just important to know that stuff. And now to the to the the main question: What's the right translation? And I like the way that Steve Van culen said uh, said it. He actually has an awesome YouTube channel. We we discussed YouTube mm-hmm. before. This is Steve's a great example of a guy who's blooming where he's planted. He's just he's just having fun and, and being used by God. He makes these incredible Bible videos. For YouTube, they're Bible reviews. And mm. dude, dude, it's so crazy. He's like, so he writes these publishers, he writes the publishers, and now he's starting to get like shipments of Bibles to his house nice. and like nice, nice Bibles, okay. you know, and he'll go through and he'll say, oh, well, you know, like this is the Yap and the gilding and all the parts of the Bible and like mm-hmm. the type of leather. And it's just, it's just cool. Like nice. it's a cool show. Um, so you guys should check it out. Well, Steve Van Kulen. Yeah. Okay. But so he lands on the, the, the best Bible translation is the one that you read and i i, there you I go. to a certain extent yeah. i agree with it right mostly i agree I, I agree with the sentiment uh there's no sense owning um uh an NASB bible which is a literal translation it's word for word so sometimes when you read it it's clunky mm-hmm. there's no sense owning it if you never read it you know i mean why we? Why you know? So I understand that. If, if for me, my favorite translation to read, like if I'm tired, like tonight, uh, I'm tired, and if I was going to be bi- doing my Bible study at night, I'm going to read the NLT. Mm. Just it, it's not for academic pursuit. It's just a New Living Translation. The reason why is because it's uh, super simple. It's yeah. it, it's uh, it's still in the range of dynamic equivalence, so it's not word for word but I can trust the text, you know, they haven't done any monkeying around with it. Um, and, uh, and, but it's easy to read, you know, but then if I'm prepping a sermon, I am using either a Greek interlinerary, inter- which is like the Greek with the, the English next to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or I'm using the NASB because the NASB is, as far as I'm concerned, is, is I think the most accurate translation Meaning it's word for word, you know, and, and uh, sometimes they have to make a few adjustments in word order or whatnot just to make it make sense in English. But, and that's another thing, actually, a lot of people don't understand that the, the Bible wasn't written in English, you know. I mean, sure. in order to read the Bible, it has to be translated, yeah. you know. It's, it's I mean, it's, it's written in what three or four different languages across yeah. mm-hmm. thousands of years by so many different people. The Bible is so cool, actually, yeah, when yeah. you start thinking about it, you know, it's, I mean, it was written by peasants and kings. Uh, fishermen, you know, tax collectors, yeah. uh, you know, prisoners. prisoners, I mean, it's just like, it's just so cool, the diversity of it. Um, and it all tells one unified story.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> so that's, that's what we talked about. It's not nearly as interesting as the law, though. Uh,
0: <laughs> no, give, give, us <laughs> idea, uh, give us an idea, John, uh, give us an idea on a spectrum of maybe word for word on the right and on the left, more of the free flow or paraphrase, what would you say uh, is a good range um, in, in the translations on e- on either side of the spectrum.
2: Sure. So, so you'd start with your literal translation or word for word, word for translation. Um, that's where you're going to get uh, NASB, so New American Standard. That's where you're going to get your ESV mm-hmm. um, English uh, English Standard Version. Yes, that's ESV. Yes. Yep. Yep. And actually, if you guys want a study Bible, ESV Study Bible. Hands down, the best that that is a Bible that every single person, every single Christian should own. Um, I agree. It's it's just phenomenal as far as the resources in it. Um, so those are those are word for word. You can trust their accuracy. They're going to be maybe a little bit clunky to read. Actually, ESV I think is like a sixth or seventh grade reading level. Yeah, it's
1: a good read. It's easy read. Yeah, it's the best out of
0: the word for word translation. I think.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, as far as uh, yeah, read, readability. Yeah. You know, you don't have to. You won't trip over some of the some of the words, and then you've got the dynamic equivalence. So that's right, going right to be a little bit less. Yeah. So it's like it's thought for thought instead of word for word. Um, and in there, you're going to have your NIV, so that's the new international version, the NLT, which we just talked about, maybe the N- NRSV, so new revised standard version. And it's also a great um, – you know what? It might be in the the word-for-word word translation, but the new Holman – have you guys looked at the Holman translation? Mm. It's really, really good. Mm. Um, uh, I like it better than ESV. H,
1: like the HCSB? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's what the Apologetic I really Study like Bible that is version. Mm. It's it's a really good version, and it, I, it's mm. like right there. It's like I feel like it's on the cusp of you know dynamic equivalence and word for word. Yeah. So it just okay. finds this really sweet spot. And then you have you know what the the term I know is free translation. It's just um, concept for concept. And I actually almost never read these just because I don't. I just don't do it. But it, that would be like the Living Bible, the Message Bible. Uh, stuff like that, which we've talked about a little bit. So there, you're going to have uh, concept for concept. You know, the author or the the the, the editor or the translator is actually adding is going to be adding in a lot of stuff, uh, background material, or trying to tell a narrative or paint a picture in your mind. And for me, I struggle with that. You know, I want the Word of God. So you know, the the second, in my opinion, the second that you start changing the text is like once you change the text for. Dramatic effect or anything like that—it's no longer the word of God. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think that we need to stay close to that. But, but, but then again, if 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 you're not going to read an NIV, but you will read the message, by all means, please read the message. You know, don't read nothing.
0: (laughs) And then uh, outside of that are the paraphrases.
2: Yeah, outside of that are the paraphrases. Um, So I can't. Yeah. Uh, I can't even think of an, uh, an example off the top of my mind, to be honest with you. The message is. the message a paraphrase? The, the, the message is a paraphrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I know is a free translation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they, yeah they paraphrase it.
0: So for me, when people ask <coughs> me, me. Um, all right, I want to do serious Bible study, um, what translation should I use? I actually recommend three of those translations, like what you mentioned. So read across that spectrum. So sure. Get a word for word. So you kind of know, all right, Greek and then English. All right, so this is what it's saying. And then get an interlinear uh, Greek and English interlinear thing if you really want to get into it. Um, and you may uh, get a deeper sense of what the text is saying. So anyways, I, I do that, and then I, I go get an NIV so that you have a dynamic equivalence, a thought for thought. Um, maybe this is what uh, Scripture is actually saying, kind of like the big picture thing and then i would say get a paraphrase as well and see how maybe uh bible scholars would actually say it in today's vernacular so mm. then you really yeah. get the sense of the text you know yeah
2: it's a, there's so many there are so many great bible study tools out there you know and they all come in the form of bibles you know i have a there's a there's a resource that i use every single sermon prep or every single time i speak if it's heavy bible if i'm if i'm going to be quoting a lot of scripture it's a, uh, it's the NASB, but it's a keyword study Bible. So in each text, it highlights the key words in the mm. in the passage, mm, nice. and in the back of it, it has um, uh, concordance with. The definitions of the words, like so, the original Greek and and the definition of the words, and it highlights it for you. So it does a lot of the exegetical work for you. Interesting. So, like, if you're if you're going through, like, if Mark, right? So if you're reading through Mark and you're reading this, you're going to see certain key words pop up. Now, if you were just reading it in a um, uh, you know, say if you were reading it, even in a dynamic equivalent or um, certainly a free translation, so like a Message Bible or sometimes the NLT. You won't notice that the author is using these certain words all the time because they're changing them in those others. But if you're reading it in a in a more literal translation, a word for word translation, um, even sometimes it'll go past you. But if you have this resource, a Keyword Bible, you get to see that the author is actually so, so Mac or whoever is, is using mm. the same word, uh, immediately. I mean, he uses yeah. immediately Oh yeah, in like every verse yeah, and then immediately, yeah, yeah, immediately, yeah, yeah. immediately, yeah, yeah, yeah. immediately. And they're like, Oh, you start asking yourself, well, what, what is this? And then you have it in one back resource. Page. You just flip yeah. it back. Well, what is he meaning by immediately? You know, it's, uh, anyways, it's just,
0: yeah, that's, that's it, cool.
2: That's, then you get into all that stuff with the Bible study Bibles, mm-hmm. keyword Bibles, cross-reference yeah. Bibles, you know, History Bible sounds like cheating to me. <laughs> I, I don't mind cheating in this in this in this uh, this area, man. That's I need true. it because I just am not that bright. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, I need the help. It's, 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 the right point is, we him, do man. have a vast array of resources. There's no excuse.
0: There's yeah. no excuse. There's no excuse that we, we definitely do get the meaning. It's the, the issue is that we lack in obedience. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, so, man.
2: That's like all the spiritual disciplines, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, all the, I feel like we lack obedience.
1: So speaking of translations, um there is a movie coming out, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, called Nineteen Forty Six. Yeah. Um no, I've not heard of it. And it's about uh the topic of mistranslations. Oh, okay. And it's you know, it's good fodder, good good content maybe for a future show. But the whole background to this, since we're talking about translations, the backstory is um, you know, the first time... It, it all centers around, you know, homosexuality. Yeah. And it says the first time the word homosexual appeared in any Bible was in the RSV, the Revised Standard Version, <laughs> published in 1946, right? Um, and it was in First Corinthians 6-9 the word homosexual was used instead of malakoi or arsenicoite. Mm-hmm. And, you know, researchers will say these... These words translate loosely to effeminacy or pervert or sexual pervert. Um, but the decision to use this word homosexual was just kind of voted on by this RSV committee and just kind of thrown in there. And ever since then, you've had this um, anti-gay movement within mm-hmm. you know Christianity and whatnot. So do you guys – I mean this is kind of off the cuff, but any any thoughts – <laughs> maybe on just how how would you approach that um, that accusation maybe um, this mistranslation of this word homosexual um, how might you guys just go about
0: yeah i I'm no expert in Greek or the biblical languages, but my understanding is that that's not a that's not a new thing, uh, and my understanding too is. A lot of what I'm hearing is the issue is that, just like what you're saying, that they started using that word homosexual to mean or uh, and derived it to, to mean homosexuality. But I, I also remember hearing from scholars saying that um, uh, there were other Greek words that Paul could have used to describe, let's say, uh, pedophilia, um, but uh, that wasn't used it was very specific very specific as as in like man lying with a man type stuff mm-hmm. you know um so anyways again not an expert on that but uh th- i'm sure someone who's making that movie will uh will uh just yeah will just be having fun with that but uh, i don't think that's anything <laughs> new I know we have. Uh, well, all right, guys. We have actually one caller here. Well, let
2: me let me because okay. this is okay. important. Yeah, uh, Alan Schliemann, one of my colleagues at STR, just mm. just wrote a blog article on this movie. And it was a co- topic nice. of discussion. So if if people want to go to STR and look it up, um, if you just like go to str.org dot org and click on the articles, and it's like the third or fourth one down, and he he addresses this concern, especially this idea that. Um, Homosexuality—the word "homosexuality" is a, is a modern insertion. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's not. I mean, the, the word is "arsenicori," and it's a it's a Greek word that Paul actually invented. I mean, Paul invented mm. these words all the time, and it's a combination of two words: male and lying. Mm-hmm. Like so, male yeah. lying with male. Yeah. and so I was right about my yeah, and as, on that. Yeah, and yeah. as time advances, uh, translations update. Of course, that's why we don't read the King James version anymore. You know, because uh, the 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 these ideas have to be updated with modern vernacular. Language, this right, isn't yeah. anti biblical. It's certainly not revisionist. Right. Um, and then especially when this is such a hot topic, but you, you, I, I highly, highly recommend looking at Alan's article. And then they also, him and Greg did a Greg Kokel did a podcast four or five weeks ago, three or four weeks ago on the same issue because the article has gained such traction and uh, there was such a response by it. But yeah, it's a, we should all be looking for the movie, but not just but we shouldn't be taken in by the arguments because they're false arguments. Go in equipped and read the article first. I'm sure we're going to do a
0: show on that one for sure. But uh, another resource would be Sean McDowell. He's done a lot of Mm -hmm. research on this. So uh, he's all over YouTube. So just search Sean McDowell on this. Uh, should we take this one last call? I know we have like less than four minutes, but uh, yeah. let's do it. Uh, I know Patrick's been patient waiting, so Patrick, Patrick, uh, welcome to the show. You're our last caller for this evening, and okay. uh, just make it quick, and uh, we'll try to answer your your question, Patrick. And thanks for calling.
3: You got it. Good, good, good show, guys. Good morning. Hey, yes. uh Real quick, I was. Yeah. Uh, we were driving up the freeway. I'm with a guy and. Introduced them to the radio show after midnight, we turned on. Uh, ironically enough, we were having a discussion about the law of God. Now, this gentleman's from the yeah, uh, uh, Black Israel Hebrew uh, group nice. and the gathering of uh, Christ's Church and GOCC. Long story short, he was saying, how can these guys talk about the law or you evangelicals uh, when you don't keep the law, when their whole point is, Christ said, you got to keep the law. And I love the opening statements about the law is our greatest apologetic. I couldn't agree more. Just a response to the guy, he's listening to the show, he, he likes what he's hearing. How would you say, uh, you know, we can't keep the law, but we're, we're commanded to keep the law? If we really love God, we're going to keep the commandments, but we don't. Thanks.
0: Yeah, thanks, thanks, Patrick, for your question. All right, uh, we'll, we'll let you off now, and we'll, we'll try to answer that. But thanks for your call, all right? Cool. Take, take it easy. Yep. All right, guys, that was from Pat- Patrick. Good question. So the law, yeah. we're supposed to, you know, that's a big deal, right? Uh, and yet uh, we we can't fulfill it. So w- what's going on? Are we hypocrites that way? A, or?
1: a true Christian is going to seek to keep the law with their entire heart because they love God and they know that his law is good, not only for themselves but for just everybody around us, Right. That's a Christian's heart's desire. And when you break the law, a true Christian is going to be grieved. They are going to want to repent immediately and get on their face before God, confess their sin, and just seek his mercy and forgiveness, which is yeah. always there for us in Christ. Just because we have the desire to keep the law doesn't mean we're going to ever do it perfectly this side of eternity. That's the Christian life of sanctification. Yeah. Right? So... This is this is Romans five and
2: six, right? So, um, I think it's really important for the the call. What was his name? Patrick for Patrick for your friends. I mean, there's a bunch of issues that going on there with him being part of that movement, Um, but. you know where Paul right at the end of Romans 5 discusses you know the the role of the law and and our our current status now with Christ and then his audience in Rome they're hearing him preach this grace this this free grace and they ask that question well should we go on and sin more so that grace may abound <laughs> more right and he says may it never be is what mm-hmm. he says um, you know, because then there's, there's this issue, you know, I, uh, you know, if, if, if a man has no sin, so if you're by the, the John says that if a man ha- says he has no sin, he is a liar. Yep. Um, we all have sin in our life, you know, we all have sin in our life, but because of the blood of Christ, this is the beauty, this is the beautiful thing about the gospel yep, exactly. is because of the blood of Christ, every, every sin past, present and future is, is wiped away. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know that's uh that that is a promise made to us, even though we fall and fail, and the person who stands before you and says i don't have sin in my life is is a liar and that's that's biblical i mean that's what that's what john says that's not me mm-hmm. take it up with john yeah. um, so anyways and, and the other yeah all right, and we're going
0: to end with this but I, I wanted to insert this whole idea of um the whole idea of imputation too that's the whole yeah. thing is like in 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 us by ourselves, <laughs> so we yeah I know. In fifteen seconds, we can't do it. But through Christ, yeah. it's done. Yeah. That's the whole point. That's why we need a Savior, because it's filtered. Uh, What God sees is Jesus, not us. And and he is the fulfillment of the law. We're still slaves, right? We're no longer slaves to sin, but we're slaves
2: to righteousness.
0: And that's indeed the good news. All right, the closing music is upon us. So we are at the end of our show. You've been listening to Apologetics.com radio, where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. Thanks to my awesome co-hosts here, Jason and John to Jared our intrepid engineer back there that makes everything sound awesome so again thank you for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time